Welcome back to the Bench Press. We've been on a long hiatus, but we're very glad to be back with you in light of some special circumstances that happened this week. Jess, why are we gathered today? Well, if what I'm about to say sounds familiar, you are not wrong. Former President Donald J. Trump has been indicted by special counsel Jack Smith. He is facing now four separate counts in connection with the sprawling effort to overturn the results of the 2020 presidential election, which of course culminated in the deadly insurrection at the Capitol on January 6th. For those counting, this is now President Trump's third criminal case. He is facing a total of 78 counts that carry maximum penalties totaling over 600 years in prison. Just to orient yourselves on where we stand and how we got here, indictment number one was the hush money payments to Stormy Daniels in New York. Another criminal scheme to influence an election. I really do think it's yes. important to just keep hammering that. Like, it, yes, it's hush money payments, but it was it was a conspiracy to violate New York election law and other laws and, and mischaracterize payments um, that were made to help win an election. Indictment number two, stealing and retaining classified documents <laughs> I mean, from the White House and the, holding them down at Mar-a-Lago in a bathroom. The crime in progress that got stopped literally post-presidency, but yes, the theft of national defense information, a, the hoarding of it, the mistreatment of it, the dissemination now of it, given the superseding indictment that came down a couple days ago. So yeah, the uh, mistreatment of, of national defense info and classified docs and obstruction. Yep. And now indictment number three, Really the one I think we've all been waiting for dealing with the brazen effort to overturn the results of the 2020 election. Like I said, 78 counts in total, upwards of over 600 years he's facing in prison. And we're not done yet, which is the crazy part. We're still awaiting possibly an even bigger one, the indictment out of Georgia related to specifically Trump's efforts to find more (laughs) votes in Georgia to change the results down there. Amongst other things. So um, it's a lot. It's a lot to to wrap your head around, but this is becoming a familiar question that I feel like I'm asking you. (laughs) How how do you feel? (laughs) How do I feel? How do we all feel? I think that the third makes this really, to me, feel like, okay, this is the Trump trials era. Yeah. And, um, It's something I think that was not unanticipated. It's not shocking, but to be watching it happen, it's like watching us enter a historical period. And there's been moments, I think, throughout the Trump period that have felt like history happening. But I think maybe more than any in the past, this one really feels like, all right, America is about to go through three criminal trials, maybe a fourth of this guy. And how are we going to cope with it? How are we, are we going to survive it? How are we going to talk about it? Yeah. I mean, we're going to survive it. I mean, think about where we were a couple of years ago, where the hand wringing that went on over whether to impeach Donald Trump, whether to mm. hold him account, whether to even talk about him on national television and <laughs> attack him. Like, you would have said that the sky would fall, that there would be violence in the streets, you know, right. that there would be protests. Right. We're three indictments in and like no everything's protests. fine. No protests. Everything's the most fine. people there are, are the press. Yeah. Which is, is maybe um, the most symbolic part of this entire ordeal. Like 
it's all on TV. Everything that we're getting ginned up about is it's not everything, but like a lot of this is amplified by the constant press attention, coverage, and this need to wall to wall about Trump and get everybody talking about Trump. And I, I, there's some elements of true crime nation here. I mean, we are a nation that is obsessed with criminal mm-hmm. proceedings and criminal investigations. And, you know, and that preceded Donald Trump. That is not something that he brought to this country. But the merger of like Trumpian politics and true crime nation obsession with crime, I really think there is like something there. And the press is running with it as the, as they have with every chapter of the Trump period. Yeah. And, and the Democrats are certainly hoping that the press runs with it and makes this a, a major story throughout the 2024 election. And we can get into that a little bit later, how Biden is looking at this and the Democrats. After we after the indictment came down, you and I were, were talking as we do. And you had some interesting, interesting thoughts on this or how this fits into I think I just I, I I feel like maybe different than other people are feeling about it. And it's not that I'm like mad or think it's a bad indictment. Um, I just feel kind of that Georgia has a really strong case because they have specific election interference laws that they're going to probably point to very clearly and say it really doesn't matter if you believe there was fraud or you didn't believe there is fraud. Mm-hmm. There are criminal statutes that make it illegal to interfere in the administration of an election. And we have a phone recording or more than one phone recording of you doing just that. Plus this whole other web of people coming down and testifying falsely in front of the legislature, people assembling the fake electors and trying to hide it, people mm-hmm. pressuring poll workers and trying to set them up in circumstances where they felt pressured to allege fraud that didn't happen. Yeah. And those are really like, to me, tighter charges. Not that these aren't tight, they're, they're, they're fine charges. I just think that Georgia has a stronger case. And because the constitution leaves the administration of elections to the states, to me, I think that, yes, it's important for the feds to like defend against what happened January 6th and some of the congressional obstruction here. But like, I just really do think it's actually more important that the states act here and defend themselves and prosecute crimes that were designed to subvert their elections. It's important. And I kind of wish they had let Georgia go first. I do. I'm starting to get the sense with each of these indictments, like we're talking ourselves out of it, or we're trying to come up with something that's a little wrong with it. I remember when the first indictment, the one, the the Alvin Bragg indictment here in New York. Right. And I think it was like our second episode. We had like a two hour conversation about what might be wrong with it or what people were saying was wrong with it. And, And one of the big talking points at the time was, you know, they should let Jack Smith go first or, you know, why, why this isn't good that it's the first one. And at the time we said, you know, there's no playbook for this for charging a former president with seeking to overthrow the government and various other criming that occurred while he was president. And now looking back on it, I actually think like the way this is playing out kind of makes a lot of sense. Like the Alvin Bragg indictment kind of primed people for this idea that he's going to be indicted. Right. And then the classified documents case come out. It's like, oh, shit, this is a lot more serious. Right. And now this one comes out for conduct while he was president. It's like, oh, my God. Now, like, 
now we're really talking the about balloon, serious the stuff. The balloon has been popped. Yeah. Like and then not... Georgia right. ends is the last unless I mean But <laughs> I guess I guess yeah, and maybe this is coming from a like legal perspective where I know that the Fed cases are just probably gonna bump out the state cases for the time being, because that's the way things usually unfold in criminal law. Like Really? You think? Yeah. I mean Kind of, yeah. Like, I think that there is some intersectionality between the crimes that they're going to charge in Georgia and mm-hmm. the crimes that were just charged in this indictment. And yeah, Georgia's right in this indictment. Yeah. So if Georgia says we want to take him to trial in the next 12 months and the feds are saying the exact same thing, like that's not going to happen. Someone's going to have to give there because the defendant really just – you can't expect them to sit – they they won't be able to but like, isn't that okay i mean I, to me like if which one would i i guess i'm thinking which one would i rather see go to trial mm-hmm. which one do i actually think is tighter on the evidence which one do i actually think has less likely of a pot, potential pardon at the end of it which is the georgia case okay. because the governor of georgia can issue pardons it, it, only a point. pardon board can do right. it and they can only issue a pardon five years after your sentence is over mm-hmm. so you can't just pardon your way out of it, right? Well, yeah. they don't usually like defendants down in Georgia. So really? that's why they have those rules. Until they Until, change it. Right. Well, I mean, fair. <laughs> no, actually, this is a part of their constitution. So they would have to amend oh, really? their constitution wow. to change it. Yeah. Wow. I'm pretty sure that's right. We'll double check that after, but I'm, I'm yeah. fairly sure that they can't just change that. What they are, what they could do is commute the sentence. Again, the governor mm-hmm. can't. The board could. The board could. But it wouldn't be a pardon. Um, so right. anyway, whereas right. he could pardon himself for the federal crimes, yeah, he would, he certainly would. He would. Right. right. So, but, you know, my, the way I, I see this is it's important to bring these indictments like yeah. that. That's like, mm-hmm. that's yeah. it. Like yeah. if the rest of it is, we have no idea what's going to happen. This is all very unpredictable. The timelines are all over the place. Yeah. I just want these indictments. I get it to be brought again. I'm not, you're right. You're right to be pointing out like every single time we kind of just spend time finding out what's that's wrong what, with it but that's, that's, that's human do. nature it's just that's it's human nature Demo- yeah, if this, it's, if this, it's a democrat but democrats are thinkers this is what like, thinking people do they they critique and they uh, you know, di- digress and they differ i just i guess for me <laughs> a little bit of it is this georgia did a faster better job playing no fucking games mm-hmm. they put sitting senators sitting governor solicitor general right in that grand jury Two years ago, they did not wait. And I'm not, I'm not, there are, there's a chorus of people out there who criticize DOJ for moving too slow. They didn't. They were handling a very different. Join the train, the chorus. Look, they were handling a very (laughs) different case and it's because of January 6th. Mm -hmm. So like that, there is a finite amount of resources at DOJ. And I do think that they wanted to build airtight stuff around seditious conspiracy first before going after this top tier of like obstruction conspiracy. They also have in the process got a ton of great case law on obstruction that they can now lean on to bring these cases. So exactly like there was some strategic approaches there. To me, what I really respect about Fonnie Willis is that she gave no fucks she did not hesitate. She went across state borders to South Carolina, to Florida, anywhere to get evidence. Yeah. And if people wouldn't show up, she'd hold them in contempt. She'd get a contempt order. Now they're part of this case. And so I just really respect it. And I guess I would have really just liked to see them get their opening shot. And she was also being pretty clear, projecting a timeline for this two-week period that we are in right now. 
mm-hmm. as when she's going to bring an indictment. And then here yeah. comes Jack Smith and he's going to bring it the same fucking two week period. Come on, man. Just let let them have their moment for like, I just, I don't know. I kind of thought it was a little bit of cheap shot, but it's fair. I get it. I it's get fair. It. It's fair. But let, let, let's get into the indictment itself. The first point I want to make about the indictment is pretty much nothing new in it. Yeah. Like this is pretty much taken and made more concise and clean and tighter and into an indictment form from the right. January 6th committee report. There's a couple pieces of information there are a couple we things. didn't know about, but it's also possible like the January 6th committee knew about it and it was redacted or withheld for some purpose. Right. right. And it's also possible they didn't include some things. In right, right, right. Which is exactly. always interesting. And hopefully hopefully they did to make it a little, little dramatic and yeah. keep it in the news. Um, but it does raise some questions about, you know, what the hell took so long? And- kind of. I mean, grand jury proceedings can be slow. And the committee was kind of slow, right? I mean, the committee yeah, was yeah, well, like an open grand jury. slow to get kind open. Of. Get it was slow even. to get open. They also took like eight months of he- like in- internal hearings and then presented this like very beautifully orchestrated mm-hmm. presentation. But that was the end of their process. And it right. also took quite some time. I, there are smart people out there who are pointing out that the consequence of some of that was that they actually did delay some things about like the Proud Boys trial because they were withholding the transcripts and not giving them to DOJ for right. some time. And like they needed those for discovery purposes in the Proud Boys trial. And so like I love the committee. I think they did an excellent job. But I also do think there were competing goals there of like the government. And it's not necessarily DOJ's fault that they had to kind of wait to get all that evidence. Because you can't just stick people in front of the grand juries and not like, like they need to be able to know if they're contradicting their prior testimony. They like, there's just due process rights there that you kind of have to think about, especially in a case like this. Right. And it's also, it's, it's, it's nice to see it all now weave together into like the elements of an actual crime rather mm. than, a, than a story. I mean, it's also a story, right. but it's like really detailed now The the key parts are pulled out, the ones that actually fit the crime. Right. And that gets us to the first theme that I came across when reading it, which is Trump knew what he was saying was wrong. And the yeah. conscious, the consistent consciousness of guilt of these people mm. and just the sloppiness and how they talk to each other no, I know. is insane. Like no. they, they knew. Yeah. And, and, I don't, I, I don't even, I don't even care how much they knew. I mean, I think it's, it's, they have to prove it to prove their intent for a crime. I mean, it's, like, it's, it's actually, I no wait, there's a, there's a yeah. nuance there. Yes. They don't have to prove that they knew it was a lie. Okay. Cause that's not, they're not being charged with lying. Right. It's, it's, it's evidence that goes to an intent. Sure. But they don't actually have to like prove that that intent right. was to lie about that thing. Right. It's the intent of doing other things mm-hmm. to make those facts that weren't true seem more true. Right. Is, is my take on this of like why they're including the evidence of the lies and like all the mountain of evidence that people were presenting to Trump and associates of like you how many people told you there's just nothing here. Mm-hmm. It explains your subsequent steps when you're breaking other laws, getting into agreements about like, well, we need these electors to join up and and get in a room and like all just come to a conjecture that they doubt it. 
because it's like an answer. It's like a call and response. Like we're told that there's serious doubts about our claims. So let's go do something to like try to mask how weak our election fraud claims are. And so it's not necessarily the lie that's the crime. It's just like evidence of why they reacted in a criminal way. That's a very good nuance that that a lot of people are not picking up on because we keep hearing in the news that they have to prove beyond a reasonable doubt that he lied or that, or that he knew he was lying. That's and just that's not, not really true, that's right? That's just not true. What is the, I don't have the statutes in front of me. What is the the level of, is it corruptly that, yeah. that, that they have to prove? in For obstruction, yes. For obstruction. For conspiracy, you just, you prove that you had an agreement to break to another law. Right. And that you took an overt step toward it. Right. And so the conspiracy charges here are, I think, uh, obstructing Congress. Is that right? Obstructing, obstructing a proceeding. proceeding, which was the, which was the, right. what Congress was doing. Right. So you had an agreement to, and corruptly would be, I guess, the underlying standard for the obstruction charge. So you would, you would, you don't have to prove that that underlying crime occurred, though it's helpful to do it, but you right. have to prove that the, the agreement was to do that. In any case, they make a lot of it in the indictment, whether it's for, the actual element of the crime, whether it's for just making them look terrible in front of a jury. But some of these, some of these things are shocking. I want I pulled out a couple of my favorites. Here's paragraph 16. On December 1st, co-conspirator one, which appears to be Rudy Giuliani, met with the Arizona House Speaker. When the Arizona House Speaker asked Rudy Giuliani for evidence of the outcome determinative election fraud, he and the defendant Trump had been claiming Co-conspirator one, Rudy Giuliani, responded with words to the effect of, quote, we don't have the evidence, but we have lots of theories. (laughs) Yeah, a lot of thoughts. Lots of thoughts. Here's another one. (laughs) On January 1st, the defendant Trump called Vice President Pence and berated him because he had learned that Pence had opposed a lawsuit seeking a judicial decision that at the certification, the vice president had the authority to reject or return votes to the states under the Constitution. The vice president responded that he thought there was no constitutional basis for such authority and that it was improper. In response, Trump told the vice president, quote, you're too honest. Mm. I mean, that's bad. That's bad. (laughs) That's really bad. I mean, objectively, we all know it's bad, but like that's really damning evidence. That's essentially the same as saying, I know I'm I'm lying. lying. I know I am aware that I'm lying. And honestly, you only need to say it one time. And it cracks the whole facade of months of lying. Because when push came to shove and you're sitting with the vice president days before this is about to come, come down, you're saying you're too honest. Yeah. And there there are a lot more. Jack Smith in this indictment has literally a list of times that Trump was told these things were wrong. Yeah. And then on top of it, you have these statements from Trump, from his co-conspirators, where they're just like actively admitting. Yeah that they don't have the evidence of these of these this fraud. Yeah. And they they're saying it to people that are I know. that are fighting them I and know. Are, they should anticipate could be witnesses against them. Right. It's, it's I think that these people lived in a universe where they were untouchable. Yeah. That existed in our country for way too long and it's not all the same story. Some of that untouchability came from wealth. Some of it came from political power. Yeah. A lot of it came from a reticence of law enforcement in this country at the federal level from touching complex or high profile 
investigations. And people like Rudy Giuliani, who was a former U.S. attorney in SDNY, a mayor of New York City, acting this way is just staggering and yet maybe not at all because people who've known him for a long time are not surprised by this. And I think that it just goes to show that there's probably lots of things in this person's political history that you could dig a little bit deeper on and ask certain hard questions about. But for some reason, those things weren't ever being really truly investigated. And the same goes for, you know, the president here, Donald Trump, like how many stories were people scratching their head? Just why didn't that end in an indictment? Why wasn't that mm -hmm. criminal fraud? Just this reticence of touching these hot cases in this country, man, it's terrible. And it, it and the scary part about it is like, when they're making these statements, they believed at this point that they were going to be successful. Oh, yeah. They were going to stay in power. So like, even if they were thinking this is well, possibly criminal, that goes to the bigger it. scheme, the scarier scheme, which yes. is the Insurrection Act scheme. That's yes. in here too. And that, uh, that was my third theme. So yeah. we'll go back oh, to the second one. Oh, but third oh, theme was like, I'm jumping ahead. This was, <laughs> they're kind of related. Yeah. This was a legitimate fucking coup. Like this wasn't <laughs> like him out there just making some lies. Like right. they actually wanted to take over. They had a backup plan and the backup plan was just stoke violence enough that you could invoke the insurrection act. Yes. And frankly, like I'm a little surprised he didn't do it. Yeah. Well, let, let me let me read this portion that yeah. we both yeah. tweeted because right. like this one I right. think both stood out to us. Right. Paragraph 81. On the afternoon of afternoon of January 3rd, co-conspirator 4, I don't remember who that is, doesn't matter. Spoke with a deputy White House counsel. The previous month, the deputy White House counsel had informed the defend defendant that there is no world, there is no option in which you do not leave the White House on January 20th. Now, the same deputy White House counsel tried to dissuade co-conspirator four from assuming the role of acting attorney general. Oh, so that's Clark. Clark. Yeah. The deputy White House counsel reiterated to Clark that there had been, there had not been outcome determinative fraud in the election and that if trump remained in office nonetheless there would be quote riots in every major major city in the united states clark responded quote well that's why there's an insurrection act yeah now what are they talking about there there's an interpretation of the insurrection act that has gone around that would allow the president the commander-in-chief to deploy the military against its own citizens in the case of an insurrection. So what he's saying there is Trump's going to remain in power. There are going to be protests, right. obviously, and we're going to take the military out right. and quash those protests. Right. Right. Like, Well, also just like, the first of all, starting from one point, Jeff Clark was an environmental lawyer. <laughs> yeah. So the, oh, fact yeah, that he's even, that. the fact that he's even citing the Insurrection Act means, well, someone's shared this they, part yeah, of they the were talking about him it. because he's not an expert on the Insurrection Act. But I think more, more to it than that, <laughs> they were trying to create an atmosphere where they could point to chaos to suspend normal order and procedure, mm -hmm. right? They would deploy the military, but the real goal was let's delay the count. They st had started to get buy-in from senators, Ted Cruz, yeah. um, uh, Josh, Josh, Josh fist up Hawley yeah. saying we're going to demand 
some sort of what 10 day commission to look into the elect. Are you, that's it. That's what they were all organizing to do. What do you think that commission was going to do? They were going to somehow say this was a COVID election. There was so much mail. We can't be really sure because it was so different than other elections. It doesn't seem fair. We're going to redo it. Even though the constitution says you can't, we have invoked the insurrection act. We are in weird times. We are going to redo this election. I mean, it's hard to conclude anything else that that was the outcome they were kind of yeah. prepared to deploy if they couldn't get Mike Pence to throw this to the House of Representatives, which he couldn't do, but whatever. And I mean, it's just genuinely such damning evidence that they were prepared to do anything, violent or not. Yeah, it, it just it speaks to the fact that this was premeditated. You're I think right. there's a... Right a tendency to look at things that Donald Trump does and the people around him and say, you know, it was, it was yeah. sloppy. It right. was chaos. They right. didn't actually mean it. Right. He's too stupid to orchestrate <laughs> a coup. Did, he didn't, he didn't mean, mean it. it. It was just a he joke. He, was, he could say whatever. And, but like they really thought this through. Yeah. And it gets to my third theme, which actually fits here better, hmm. which is that this scheme was very, very vast. Right. This was not right. There's like just, four tiers. Yes. Yeah. And and it's very smart the way they laid it out. And because it's it's hard to understand all this, but they lay it out in terms of like the actual steps they took. Right. And this was not just January 6th. Now, the media focuses a lot on January 6th. Yeah. And I think they kind of do us a disservice by yeah. only talking about like, did Trump incite violence? Like, yes, he did. Yeah. But that's like the harder part of this to prove. Right. But it's the stuff that came before it. Right. Stand, and, stand back and stand by. Right, right. Like that, you know, the, right. the, the wink and the nod kind of inciting of violence. Those like, people ended up indicted for seditious conspiracy. Yes. That is not a fucking coincidence. He said that during a presidential debate three months before January 6th. Yeah, it's fucking incredible. Yeah. But so January 6th, that stuff, those statements he made on January 6th are, are a small part of this indictment. And they right. come at the bottom because. Right. They're the, not that relevant. The reality is what January 6th was, was the last effort, the right. last desperate act as part of a very, very long conspiracy. And what it was, was they come up with the lies. They go to state legislators to try and influence them to like literally overturn the results in their states. Mm -hmm. In Georgia, they did in Arizona, Pennsylvania, all over mm -hmm. the place, Michigan, right? Mm -hmm. And then when that didn't work, they come up with this ridiculous john eastman scheme right. to like create fake slates of electors and right. like literally like sneak into the state house at right. night and sign papers and, yeah. and send them to the senate to make it look like they were real and right. like and then when that didn't work they went to the doj and tried to pressure officials to come up with just sham investigations to perpetuate their right claims of fraud right and then when that didn't work then the last ditch effort to just say, well, let's just break the fucking walls down in Congress and stop. We're going to have a rally in front of Congress on yes. the day that they're certifying it. And we're going to send people in there to fuck it up. Right. Right. So this was not just Trump lying. No. On Fox and at the ellipse on January 6th. Nope. This was a this was huge a, conspiracy. And not one that they thought up as they went. This right. started November whatever. They they realized they lost the election. It probably started before then, but it definitely was in play by the days post November third. Right. I think that the there's a couple there's a couple thoughts here. There's people who are missing from this that are pissing me off. Like mm -hmm. I really can't understand 
why I'm not saying I think there's criminal charges warranted, but I want to see more about what the Department of Justice knows about Roger Stone and Alex Jones and their communications mm. with the White House. Mm. I want to see more about calls between uh, Steve Bannon and Donald Trump on January 6th. Yep. Um, and I'm curious why we're not getting that because- And I want to see Ginny Thomas too. All right. A bunch of people- Let's not get out of ourselves here. There's, 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 first of all, this should be people's wake up call that when people are talking like Jess and I are at this point, we're not crazy. It's not that we just hate all these people. There's a lot of evidence that actually ties them all together, that these are well thought through plans that were being executed. And now the Department of Justice has actually criminally charged some of those plans. So we're not just, I don't just hate Roger Stone. Roger Stone had a lot of ties to Proud Boys who ended up at the Capitol on January 6th, who have been convicted of their own seditious conspiracy that they carried out that day. So here now you have multiple conspiracies at play since right after the election. We've seen it in an indictment against Donald Trump. There's six unnamed conspirators that we kind of know who they are. Where are the links then to like these other players who were clearly instrumental in delivering that last last gasp on January 6th because they're not they shouldn't be left out of this story maybe not charged but I want to see them in the narrative because it's they're just missing right now and and it's it's kind of why it's a little alarming that he kind of did a cut and paste job from the January 6th report and like what were you doing all this time right like I I don't I don't know if there's more and I'm not like I don't mean that as like a a critique it's just like right there, there are other like threads here and yeah. a lot of other potential crimes. And it's, it's right. I mean, they, we were saying before, where, where are the indictments of the co-conspirators that are in there already? You know, yeah. That's a really, <laughs> it's such a weird question. I, I have worked on a few like cases that are criminal and stuff. And I think that it is, it's not unusual to have unindicted co-conspirators. It's common. Mm-hmm. The, flip of that is like usually there's a reason they're unindicted either they're cooperating which in this case mm-hmm. it really i i don't know but i don't think any of these people who we've figured out are cooperating there's no indication that there are to leave six yeah. unindicted is yeah. really weird like none of sydney powell doesn't deserve a charge like Giuliani, I, I don't understand Eastman. right like they're they- not cooperating so why aren't they getting charged um and the conduct is just as serious. I it's mean, part of the same yeah. conspiracy. <laughs> they may make up as many pages as he does. Right. Sometimes much. more overt. Sometimes exactly. Sometimes yeah. more involved. It's weird to both of us thought it was just strange that they're left uncharged. We and they, I, they, I mean, sh- they will. I mean, they probably will be charged. And maybe right? at some point. And maybe the thought was if you charge them first, like they'll ride the same public opinion wave that Trump will try to ride on this. But like maybe if you let them watch it be scary for him first, they'll have more incentive to flip before they catch a charge themselves. I don't know. I just can't yeah. think of any other reason that you're leaving them uncharged right now. And to close on this, when you have unindicted co-conspirators in, in indictments, you do create discovery obligations for yourself with respect to those people because mm. you've levied that in the indictment that there's conspiracy statements that might be attributed to a right. defendant. And so there are like requests that his team is going to be allowed to make about those co-conspirators or information that the department has about them. And so it's just kind of odd to like leave it uncharged because you're creating the obligation for yourself anyway. Right. I don't really know why they're not bringing them in. but to be To be determined. But now that we've done that, I want to talk about some of the public reactions. Mm, that we've your been favorite. 
Yeah, thing I like discourse. Talk you about. Yeah, you're I all love about discourse. You're all about the civic, <laughs> civic duty. So one of the big claims we're hearing, one of the big talking points, it's one of those things that like you sound smart when you actually you don't even really sound smart when you say it, but like you think you're smart when you say it. Mm. And it's not just Republicans who are saying it. It's people on the left who are like, oh, is this like, is this going to be a problem? The First Amendment mm. that yeah. you can't charge people for lying, right. that we're going down a slippery slope here. Right. John Turley wrote a piece in the Daily Beast. Should be unemployable this. at this point. Should be. Here's, here's what he wrote. Quote, while the indictment recognizes that politicians are protected in making false statements in elections, it proceeds to charge Trump for doing precisely that in claiming that the 2020 election was stolen. Smith simply charged that Trump did not really believe it. Therefore, it is fraud. Okay. We just talked about how vast this conspiracy was. Mm, uh The idea that this was just Jack Smith charging Trump for saying things that he Uh believed were false Uh is so demonstrably wrong. I mean, you just didn't read it. Yeah, it makes you question. Not only did you not read it, like, where have you been the past three years? How could you call yourself an attorney and not think that speech (sighs) can sometimes be all you need to commit a crime? Some, I mean... If a we, lot of times, like <laughs> yes. the majority right, of times, right? It's not, and not to just say like people use these quintessential <laughs> examples of like a threat isn't protected speech. Right? Nothing has to be that overt. Like you can speak into agreement a con- a criminal conspiracy, yeah. and that is a crime. I, I so I, I'm the like, CEO of a company. Let's say, let's say a social media company named I don't know Z. Mm. Okay, let's call it Z. Okay. <laughs> It's such a creative oh, thought you have. You're such yeah, a creative such guy, a creative person. Yeah. And I don't know. I make statements publicly that are complete bullshit about how many mm-hmm. users we have. You know, we're growing in in usership. We have we're going to have really high revenues next quarter. Turns out it was false, but everyone bought my stock price. The stock price went way up, and then when it comes out that it was false, stock price plummets. And I profit off of it, mm. Your Honor. I, I, I it was a lie. I knew it was a lie, but like the First Amendment. Right. No, no, you'd be laughed out of, of the courtroom. Not, right. And that's, I mean, we could do this for like most fraud is bribery. Speech. Most fraud is speech. Your like, honor. Like I, 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 yeah, I, 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 I told him that he can give me $5 million and I would pardon yeah. him. But like, that's right. first amendment. The funny thing too, is like, I, I think it was Turley, but maybe it was somebody else on Twitter was like, Supreme court recently ruled that you can't commit fraud unless you're trying to defi- deprive somebody of money or property. And that is true about wire fraud, yeah. <laughs> not true about conspiracy to defraud the United States, which is a different charge. And I, I, I don't want to like speak as an expert on it, but I, I believe the standard is actually just anything that would deprive a government agency of its proper function. Right. So like if you tell a lie and further advance an overt act like against the government to, to mislead it from right. being able to complete its function the correct way, mm-hmm. that's defrauding the United States. And so it's not to just benefit yourself. It's often used sometimes in ways that are like people coming into agreements to mischaracterize, uh, like lobbying for foreign country or something. Like they'll tie that together and add a charge of like, you conspire to defraud the IRS or you conspire to defraud the Department of Justice and mislead them about your role and something. But it's it's really just to like, hurt the functionality of a part of the U.S. government and using a lie or deceit to do that. Mm -hmm. What 
could possibly describe <laughs> this better than a conspiracy to defraud the United States government from properly certifying the, the election, election, right? Presidential All election. these lies that you told. And it's not just lies about winning and losing. It's lies about like the provenance of the electors. Like how many lies were told that like, no, 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 these guys are legit. And then the other right. side of your mouth, you're convincing the ele electors who have misgivings. Mm -hmm. Like, so it's just, I mean, it's all these things. It's just not criminalizing First Amendment speech. It's criminalizing fraud. Yeah. The, the, this one, I want to be clear. Like everyone's talking about it and like alluding to it. This isn't a close call. Not even close. This isn't a thing. Right. This is just because like right. it's Donald Trump and right. we're just entertaining everyone, every possibility. Yeah. It's also everyone's like, like hardwired. The best example, witness tampering. Witness tampering. You go yeah. to a witness and you use your speech, your speech, to tell them that you don't think they should tell the truth to a grand jury, and you would really appreciate it if they didn't. Doesn't even have to be a threat. Just, I really don't want you to say that. It would really hurt my family. We're so close. How could you do that to me? That's tampering with a witness. You're trying to interfere with the grand jury investigation happening. I'm not saying that's what happened here, but obstruction can also clearly just be speech. Like you, it's not protected speech to go commit a crime. Right. And, and, and I want to be clear again, this wasn't just speech, right? This was Lots like, of overt acts. like a literal coordinate right. the fake electors thing to me is the craziest part of this. Like I that know. they like literally signing stuff and like went into like state capitals and, yeah. Yeah. and yeah. created paperwork right. and sent in these fake electors right. for president. Like that's right. not speech. Right. Filing a lawsuit, you, you right? Like yeah. filing, filing all these lawsuits and stuff. Yeah. Like it's it it is conduct. an action. It's conduct. Um, you know, I, I, the First Amendment <laughs> bullshit, and that's what we're going to go through. Like, I will say this: that I think, um, as we've talked about before on this pod, I have um, people in my life who like don't all share the same political views as me, and mm -hmm. I do know people who. Um, aren't maybe like Trump fans, but feel sometimes that like, not sympathy for him, but like they sympathize with the narrative that like, well, why isn't Hunter Biden getting this like horrible treatment that Trump is getting indicted the third time and Hunter Biden's getting a plea deal that like even the judge Hunter is Biden sort of like, right. <laughs> but I will say this, like those people that I've, I've talked to some of them this week they are raising the like first, not like defensively, just asking my opinion on like, mm -hmm. is it, you know, fair. They all think the classified documents case is the fairest case against Trump. And they're all like, yeah, I have no defense of that. That makes no sense. He, you had, know, I, he had no business that's... telling the government, I'm not giving you anything back. And it's actually like the easiest way to defend those comparisons when people are like, why is one treated one way and the other is treated the other way? I'm like, well, Hunter Biden talked about taking a plea deal. Prosecutors would love to get Trump to take a plea deal. He just <laughs> won't even give them the documents back, let right. alone sit down and talk about a plea. Yeah, and it's a very easy way to answer people who are comparing them. Like, I, he won't even think about taking a plea or pleading guilty. So that's no. why they're being treated differently. Trump won't even give the evidence back. That's not his. Like, yeah. But anyway, so I do, I think there's like wiggle room on the different cases where like, this one is going to be about speech because it's it's that's we all heard it and saw it and different people had different feelings about it. And it's frustrating because people don't just come up with these theories. Like people don't look right, at the press hands. Them. Yeah, the, the, these things are handed to them because it's told to them by some talking head on MSNBC or CNN or right. more likely Fox. And if you look at polls ever since January 6th, people are not 
like people don't need to be convinced that this was wrong. Right. You know, like it, it's not like there's so much, again, hand wringing throughout the media and on the on the left, like there are going to be protests. People aren't going to people aren't going to think this is legitimate. The weaponization of the government by Biden, like, no, people want him to be held accountable for this. Yeah. So like why you don't need to go through the triangulation of like, let's find a reason why this is problematic. No, it, it's just it's an indictment. I do think like there's <laughs> a little bit of a feeling that even I have like where the fact that it's number three. <laughs> and look like it's his own fault he committed a lot of crimes he did but there is this like overarching feeling that like history is not so discerning of the details and like it's gonna look back in history like this guy got hit with all these charges after like this very divisive period in american history and not to say the charges are unwanted unwarranted but three separate criminal indictments in three separate jurisdictions for three separate courses of conduct they're all warranted. They're all justified. They're all completely fair. But I also can understand the less informed person's perspective that this is a lot to be throwing at one person. I don't think so. And okay. I'll tell you why. I think that history would look back on it and be shocked if he wasn't charged, mm. right? Like look back at like Watergate, which mm. was one one thousandth of ser as serious as this is right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. if we would look back if he was charged with a crime nixon mm -hmm. after he left office we'd look back on it and be like okay like yeah he Fair. it was a big scandal he was charged with the crime right instead we look back on it and say like holy shit he was pardoned yeah mistake like that was fucking crazy yeah. that he was just pardoned for it by right. his vice president right later on like that's crazy so i i, I think history is going to look back and say his conduct was ridiculous and yeah. out of absurd and outlandish and like the system held at least a little bit by charging him i think if they didn't charge him then they'd look back and say okay that was like a breaking point for this country yeah so i think you're right i mean you're probably right i maybe it's just the like cynic a little bit for me that i'm like i with this indictment for some reason even though i agree with it like on the law and i think it's I wouldn't describe it as airtight, but like I would describe it as a strong indictment. Mm -hmm. I still do feel a little bit like I just wish they let Georgia go first. I do. I do. <laughs> I mean, Jack that, Smith huh? has his fucking hands full with the classified documents. I am a little bit just like, I don't know. Gonna, like, let get Georgia go. I, I know I will, but America <laughs> and Georgia deserve their day in court. And I honestly feel that like, it just starts to feed into this, like, ah, they're really hammering this guy. And they should. He's a fucking criminal, a prolific criminal who will who does not care if violence is perpetrated on his behalf, mm -hmm. if it means he benefits. And that's a dangerous, dangerous, dangerous person. But I just, I don't know. There's just a fear, I guess, I have that, like, it feeds into this narrative that the feds are really gunning hard for him and bringing these two indictments in two separate jurisdictions at the same time yeah, that's you can you could be you can have fear but again yeah. three indictments in sky hasn't fallen yet yet yeah. he leads the polls it's a problem well yeah way to fuck up the mood sorry but, sorry but <laughs> uh, let's get to the those republicans yeah who are going to make who Wrong are about down. to make that great decision in the next election and um a very hot kevin mccarthy Mm. had some comments it's like watching a dog on walk the on hind legs or something <laughs> <laughs> let's hear what this angry gentleman had to say 
And I can say the same thing that Hillary Clinton says about her election that she lost. I can say the same thing about the DNC who said it about um, the 2016 race. I can say the same thing about those in the Democratic Party from the leadership on down about George Bush not winning, that Al Gore did. But were any of them prosecuted? Were any of them put in jail? Were any of them held with no response to be able to get out? The answer is no. So yeah, you can raise that, that someone raised a question. And you know in America, you're entitled to raise a question. You're entitled to question whether it was honest or not. That's the uniqueness of the First Amendment. That's the uniqueness of America. But you know what? You shouldn't be prosecuted for your thoughts. And the difference here is, when Hillary Clinton said it, nothing happened to her. Well, when they said it in Georgia's election, nothing happened to them either. You that. know what? When the DNC said it, nothing happened to them either. So stop using government to go after people who politically disagree with you. That is wrong, and that should stop now. Hmm. Well Chill said. out, bro. Yeah, well the, said. The self-own of bringing up the fact that the only two Republican presidents in this millennium like also have had shady wins both <laughs> lost the popular <laughs> yeah, vote I and know. one was installed I know. by I know. like you're gonna bring up Bush right. v. Gore yeah let's talk about to both sides election denialism <laughs> yeah. are you like oh it's thanks so for reminding and us. Roger Stone was involved in that too yeah he, he orchestrated the Brooks Brothers riot in Florida <sighs> Um, well, yeah, yeah. We, we mostly wanted to play that because it's just hilarious. Hey, like, objectively, it's funny. I mean, again, dog walking on its hind legs, like Kevin McCarthy feigning <laughs> some sort of emotion about this. Right. That I, he even has know, emotions is, is, is extraordinary. I, I am, like, rarely defensive of the way that 2016, like, I, it just needs to be noted that, like, Hillary Clinton didn't even seek a recount. She conceded she the conceded next day. She conceded the night, uh, yeah, the night after, the, the day after the election. She never sought a single recount. She never sought an alternate slate of electors. She sure as shit didn't file 64 lawsuits she lost. I never heard a phone recording asking for 11,780 votes, Same. which she could have done in three states that were decided by tens of thousands of votes. Yeah. I never heard her say stand back and stand by to no. a group that was later convicted of a seditious she conspiracy. She dropkick James Comey for... And she, yeah. She sure as shit didn't show up. She went to the inauguration of Donald Trump and she did not show up on January 6th and say, and say, we're going to march down together and I'm going to go with you. <laughs> and I wish Vice President Biden found the courage to throw out the electoral votes and just give me the election. I mean, it's just laughably different. And every American watched their TVs on January 6th. We all know it was different. It's not the same. It's just not. But this this is what they're going to say. And this is going to this is going to be their yeah. rallying cry for the next two years. Yeah. And the question is, is there going to be anyone to counter them. So I want I want to read from a New York Times report shortly after the indictment oh, oh about how Democrats view this, okay? Quote, Democrats are hopeful that in a general election, the indictments might sway some small slice of independent or swing voters. There's little doubt that a steady drumbeat of news out of the various court proceedings will ensure that Mr. Trump's legal troubles continue to dominate the news in 2024. Mm. Court appearances and legal filings will compete for attention with debates and policy rollouts. We'll see about that. Biden campaign officials and allies believe that they can focus on topics with a more direct impact on the lives of voters, such as economic issues, abortion access, and extreme weather, (laughs) without explicitly addressing Mr. Trump's issues. All right. I mean, first of all, Mm. the idea that 
having a fascist president who seeks to destroy democracy and install himself and quell dissent through the military, that that doesn't have an effect on the everyday lives of their voters. All right. Is like, Look, is concerning. Yeah. I, I mean, I, you know, some of it's posture, posturing to the public. Biden is certainly trying and to some extent succeeding at being totally out of the conversation here. The, sure. The Trump wing of the Republican Party is saying this is Biden's crazy DOJ and mm -hmm. whatever. But that's not really dominating the national political discourse. Like I'm not hearing most Republicans blame these indictments on Biden. I think that there are people maybe who are saying it's overkill or that we should just move on, but they're not tying it to Joe Biden. And I think he's rightly kind of just being like, I don't even want to like touch this shit with a 10 foot pole until the time is probably right. Where if we are in a general and it's me versus this guy and he's got three fucking indictments, four maybe. Well, will it change in a general? Like, will his well, what stand, will, will their stance change? Sure. Or are they I mean, still going to want to? Look, at, at, at some point, there will be a debate stage between these two men. And one of them face, will be facing the real prospect of prison time. And yeah. I got to say, I think at that point, the nuance I was talking about earlier, if you talk about persuadable voters in the middle, it's that classified docs case that might persuade some of them. It's just like so indefensible that like they need to do that polling and figure out which ones of these cases are hit resonating with the voters who are not glued to their TVs about it and which ones aren't. And just from my own like talks with people who aren't necessarily glued about this but are tuned into the political landscape, the classified docs one's just like really hard to defend. And it makes him look really embarrassing and pathetic. And I actually think that like waiting and holding back until that gets to an interesting place, maybe, maybe not the worst strategy. Look, I, I understand Biden who heads the Department right. of Justice, like worrying about like conflicts of interest, speaking sure. like directly about these cases. Right. Okay. But like everyone else, the states do them. <laughs> <laughs> all the surrogates, all the U.S. senators who are Democrats, mm -hmm. everyone else. Mm. My concern is that. Again, we've talked about this before. Democrats believe that politics is completely self-executing, mm -hmm. that like the media will cover the facts, mm -hmm. voters will take in the facts, and they'll come to the right conclusion. But like just as we were talking about before with the First Amendment thing, we all know that's not how things work. People believe things that are told to them. That mm -hmm. doesn't make them dumb. Like right. I, I watch the news and like if I hear something from someone I respect and I think it's a good argument, like right. I start to believe it too. Like that's just how things work. Yeah. Like you believe what people are saying. Right. So my concern is they Democrats think that this is just going to be like wall to wall Trump criminality, Trump trial coverage for the next two years. Mm -hmm. I don't think that's true. Like trials are slow. They're choppy. There might not be cameras in the courtrooms. Right. Like a lot of this stuff is esoteric and no one really gives a shit. It, it, there's going to be long periods where it goes silent, like has happened with the New York case. Like it's just gone silent for a while. Meanwhile, if you're not talking about them in those dead areas it's going to be filled with trump rallies and think kevin mccarthy screaming of just them talking about weaponization of the doj like there's no evidence of this well, first amendment free like speech this conversation of like as these trials proceed the looming question of will he win and what happens constitutionally then mm -hmm. and like the gap could easily just be filled with that question to the point that america becomes so curious that it self-executes in his election because yeah. they just want to know what the hell would happen if he won the presidency but was criminally indicted and mm -hmm. um that would feel a little like a repeat of 2016 where it was like clearly this curiosity about like 
you know, enough people were, I knew some of people who voted for him who were like, I just didn't thought there was no way he would ever win. Yeah. And I didn't think it was going to happen. So I voted for him. I could see some element of that playing out here where they just are curious about like, can we put this guy back in who's on all this, you know, baggage. Um, I think what Democrats really need is a point person surrogate that is not Joe Biden. Or like a thousand of them. And they have them. They do. It would be worse to me if it's a thousand of them because like there are issues that actually affect Americans and like this isn't really one of them. No, no, but it is. It is, but like not really though. <laughs> like, not right now. Like, like he's not in charge. Uh, to me, like But, but honestly, it's an election, right? It's yeah, a choice. But, and 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 his yeah. fascism and like sure that's all up for fair talk but like talking about the indictments is a really risky thing for people who are sitting in positions of power in government it starts to look like you are taking advantage politically of what the government is doing at your behest but 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 why can't you because take it, it start it, it <laughs> answers their own accusation that this is a political thing and you're doing it for political gain the indictment of your opponent mm -hmm. in an election mm -hmm for stealing classified documents, uh -huh. for interfering in, in election mm -hmm. with hush money payments, for trying uh -huh. to literally overturn the results uh -huh. is like the greatest thing that can be bestowed upon you. It is the greatest opportunity it, it is, you have. It is, but playing with it, it's like playing with a, a, a firebomb. If you play with it in the wrong way, sure. it's going to make you sure. look like you are politicizing you are the power that be and it, oh wow what a convenient thing that your main opponent has been indicted in three places to by your government that you control and you're if you really want to make it even worse for the conjecture police like out there your own son <laughs> it, it was getting a pretty good plea deal that a judge was like i don't really get this and so there's own questions about how that's unfolding. I'm not legitimizing them, but it's how the political conversation would play out. And so when we're wondering why the hell like he's steering clear, because it's a firecracker. You don't know exactly how it's going to explode if you start weaponizing it. No, but you at way. least have to like fight them to a draw because you know that they're going to fill the airwaves with it. And if you're just silent about it, you're just ceding the airwaves to them and hoping that like but the do, media and like Jake you, Tapper will fill it in. Do you recall? The last election. I, I recall. And do you recall? Which one? The 2020 20, or 2022? 2020. Yeah, I recall. Where I Joe was Biden was missing. Joe Biden's in his basement. Where is Joe Biden? Is he <laughs> even running a campaign? Yeah. And Joe Biden won pretty well. And so I actually just kind he of did. feel like he has a good instinct for this. And he, he did, but him staying 20 feet away from this for the rest of this election is maybe the best decision. I don't know. Trump's but I not in office now, right? Like, I there, know. I get what you're saying. But like. And 2022, when he know. wasn't in office, like uh, Biden went out there to much like criticism and made speeches about democracy and voting rights. And then like Dobbs hit. And it was all about abortion access and mm. voting rights and right-wing extremi yeah, extremism, and they killed it. Yeah, but and just that's talking about things that weren't Trump. That's talking about things that they don't. Yeah, well, I mean, but it, like it, it's the same. Like I actually ilk, think the right? guy like, being able to paint himself as talking about things other than Trump is what kind of some people in the middle find appealing about him. Like neither of us were the people who are like, I'm so excited by Joe Biden. So there are clearly a contingent of probably older voters who do actually like this guy and they are real. And I think that they're largely like the quieter types who are not so 
involved in wanting to like constantly talk about politics every day, but they're informed enough that they care. And I feel like his ability to not be enmeshed in conversations that are so difficult and frustrating to have every day is what they find appealing about him. If that was the case though, if like, if the New York times report was like, they're concerned about overdoing it and Mm -hmm. they're finding like smarter ways to deal with it, better messaging for it. Like that wouldn't even be a report because that's just, that's just how campaigns Mm -hmm. are. Like that's Mm -hmm. smart. But the, the report was they don't want to talk about it at all. Instead, they want to talk about healthcare and fucking hurricanes. Yeah, and yeah, like Phoenix was really hot last year. Like you should vote that. for me. I and like that. climate change is important, I, I but like no it. one's voting on Phoenix. But being the, really you hot. know what? The reality is like there's that similar reporting that we got his first run in 2022. Like we there's a lot of reporting in 2022 in 2020 or as, as well. well. Okay, uh, great correction. <laughs> I I I, actually I, didn't know. I feel that like there was a lot of reporting about his his desire to stay above the fray of mm-hmm. Trumpism, and then when the debates came around, like I just remember it being a stark comparison of like Trump's sweaty, screaming persona, just shouting into the mic, and Biden just kind of being like, "Do we really want to do this?" Like for four more years, and that being the kind of reaction and. It was effective. Yeah, but it wasn't just like he didn't just like pivot back to healthcare. Like he also said, no. shut up and like. Yeah, there were like, some moments. But I guess what I'm saying, I guess and... what I'm saying is like he tends to sometimes come alive in these like weird, unplanned ways. Yeah. And that's but so good... they can't be planned. You're not going to see a news article assessing the strategy of having Joe Biden have an well, unplanned moment. He just like will do it probably when it makes the right sense. But he has pretty good political uh, instincts on those fiery issues yeah but but the way i look at that is that his good instincts and i agree he has good instincts and he's good at it when he when he like takes it directly to trump the way i see this is like he's being told not to and they're Mm -hmm. developing a strategy that like tampers that down and he has to like fight against it or be off the cuff to do it maybe and that's just unfortunate well but but sometimes the strength is coming in your reticence like you hold back so that when you do deliver a punch it lands and and i think that he did that the first go round. like it was very talking past trump running this like everybody kind of speculated he would pick uh kamala and then that happened and like Mm -hmm. it was just pretty by the book campaign it was not that explosive the mail-in thing was clearly their key to victory they just ran up huge margins on the mail-in vote early they were active etc and i just kind of think you gotta trust his instincts to deliver when necessary and there are some reasons to wonder about whether he still has them but he's also given us reasons during his presidency to believe that he can and i just think of that state of the union when he got the republicans to take cuts to social security off the table as a policy matter Mm -hmm. in the middle of a speech and it was like wow i've never seen politics happening in our chamber like that and it was really interesting so i don't know i just i believe he has we'll just hope we'll just we'll just we'll just you know We'll just hope that well, we don't end up with a fascist. Well, maybe we just hope that the New York Times information about their strategizing <laughs> isn't always perfect or right. Well, that that's that remains to be seen. That's definitely possible. But anyway, good discussion. We will. I don't know when we'll see you next. You know, it's August. We might we might be recording a pod. We might be on a beach drinking a margarita. We we'll keep you in suspense. We'll we'll, we'll figure yeah. that out when the time comes. I have a feeling we'll be reconvening to talk about a certain state's RICO statutes yeah. in in the coming weeks. Yeah, maybe days. 
Um, yeah, but maybe, it's always maybe, maybe it like already happened and my phone's unregistered. I, <laughs> I might have. No, I think it. I think we have a little bit more time, but not much. I'm sure um, it will conflict with our plans, and yes. it will be yeah. a pain. Yeah. Bring your mic to the beach. Yes, but uh, no, it's it's good to be back together. We'll be back yeah. in earnest more in the fall when when the courts pick back up. Indeed, we're gonna have plenty to talk about. Election, um, elections, oh, man. Justice Kagan's wonderful remarks that she made yesterday. Yeah. You can get into those. Another not appropriate the... for us. Anyway, <laughs> so we'll be back with you soon, but uh, hang in there. The Trump trials are upon us. Yes, we'll see you soon. Thanks for joining us. Bye.